This week's show is brought to you by Vinyl Me Please, and you can head over to joinvmp.com slash lasertime and save yourself a little money on some badass records. Star-studded event here to bring you uh, another episode of the Internet's 700th leading pop culture show. <laughs> but this is so star-studded. There's at least oh, yeah. 900 celebrity singers in this episode. I think we're going to rise a little bit on the, uh, maybe not the iTunes charts, Google Play charts? I think sure. so. Yeah. That email goes through. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? Hey, this is Sam. And if you don't know what Laser Time is, each week we pick a brand new weirdo pop culture topic, either looking back in time or back at something fondly. Uh, and this episode is no exception, because in this episode we will be talking about charity songs, or mm-hmm. songs for charity. Songs that raise money exclusively for a cause, and I was a little surprised that there wasn't as many as I thought. And that it's something that peaked in the 80s before I was yeah. really paying attention. Mm-hmm. But, you know, st- I'm telling you people, stay right there. It's going to be more fun than it sounds. And if you're patient, you will be able to hear Bruce. Is that, I, I gotta That's know. my favorite. I, and it, the, the face that goes along with it. It's the face and the camera <laughs> angles. <laughs> what, was, what were we watching recently where you did the dick shot into the camera? Oh, that was the Super the Bowl. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. But, but, dick, where he dick slapped America. Yeah. <laughs> charity songs. Songs for charity. I'm sure you know what that one is. And if you don't, uh, we will tell you in just a little while. Uh, songs made exclusively for charity. I was a little shocked. One, we started the idea, I think, looking for giant ensemble. Um, yeah. But I, I, there are certain singles that I just didn't know. Like, oh, this is just all designated for charity. Right. Well, when I was doing, like, the reason I wanted to do this episode was, mm-hmm. A, every Christmas as part of our Christmas mm-hmm. celebration is we watch Do They Know It's Christmas. Yes, you do. Because, oh, part of this is because when Sarah gets drunk, she puts on these unironically, and I'm going to make fun of you this episode. Because <laughs> I've had to watch We Are the World, I think, four times in, in 2018. It's so true. <laughs> it's, it's true. Well, also, this kind of dovetails, na- dovetails nicely into um, uh, probably an upcoming Shame Songs episode because <laughs> some of these songs I... <laughs> I just unapologetically love. Well, yeah, and, and I, it's. I think people a little younger might not have a context for what this is, mm-hmm. and uh, I think people became cynical to the concept after a while. Mm-hmm. But looking back on it now, it's like, why don't more people fucking do this? Uh, I was looking around. I'm like, well, one, we don't have singles, mm-hmm. so I guess mm-hmm. no one wants to make a whole album that they give away and give all the proceeds to charity. But I didn't. I wasn't aware. Like U 2s one, one of my favorite U two songs ever. Mm-hmm. That. Single was released solely to benefit AIDS research. Right. So and, when doing my research too, so Michael Jackson had like half a dozen of those. Oh, he did. Yeah. Where and and I didn't include a lot of them on my list just because I kind of wanted to stick to songs that were created specifically Me to be too. a charity single instead Me too. of released as a charity single, which is. Something I mean, but, a but bit I only, I mentioned one because a it's the song is about. Yeah. Charity and acceptance and love right, of people. Right. And then Bono would go on to, Bono, you heard of the, speaking of charity, you heard of Bono? He's mm-hmm. this guy who's done a lot for charity and is in almost every one of these songs. He created his uh, charitable organization that's called One yeah. After One. 
uh, I, had, I I got some British stuff. So you, if you few English listeners will be rewarded because there's some shit I've never heard of that only came out in England due to things like comic relief. Sarah, I don't know if you saw this. It was not as funny as I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Love Can Build a Bridge. Mm. The fucking Judd's cover from 1995. It charted in the UK, not here. Yeah. Uh, it is the oddest pairing of musicians I've... Uh, female musicians I've ever... Put together your super group of lady singers. Okay. I don't think anybody would arrive at a share and Nana Cherry of Buffalo Stance fame uh-huh. and uh, sister of Eagle Eye Cherry. Right. And Chrissy Hind featuring Eric Clapton. <laughs> okay, that is quite a mix. <laughs> yeah. And it's, the song is fucking terrible, but the video is exquisite. Ooh. I would give my heart's desire <laughs> so that you might see <laughs> First step is to realize that it all begins with Of that oh, shit. It's wow. It's ridiculous. And I, every time I hear Cher, I always forget she sounds like Cher. That yes. every impression yeah. you've ever heard of her. Exactly. Oh yeah, that's what that's how that's she sounds. Exactly and it's hilarious. How she sounds. And also that's how her like face looks when she's singing right. too. <laughs> and that's that's that awful song was done to save the children of Rwanda, to which I say, those poor children of Rwanda. <laughs> no one's looking out for you. Uh but yeah. if you kid you kids may not know, uh, uh if you like the Simpsons a lot, I know a bunch of young people do. Uh, one of my favorite episodes in history, because it's not only it's I said on on I, what I love about The Simpsons when the whole town comes together to like freak out about something, but also when they make fun of the media. Mm-hmm. And uh, even in doing research for Conan, uh, he has some a special feature on his DVD about trying to organize a We Are the World song, but only Andy Richter, Max Weinberg, and Sting shows up. <laughs> Same is true for Springfield, where only Sting shows up to uh, sing a song for Timmy O'Toole, the boy trapped down the well. So this is this is Springfield's version of what our topic is about. There's a hole in my heart as deep as the well for that poor little boy who's stuck halfway to hell. Though we can't get him out, we'll do the next best thing. We'll go on TV and sing, sing, sing. And we're sending our love down the well. Oh, we <laughs> <laughs> that shit still cracks me up yeah. and I didn't really have the context for what they were making fun of mm-hmm. uh, because some of these songs uh, as well as, like when I, you, I this is such a vague memory when you were in elementary school you had a maybe daily mu- music class yeah, yeah. I did yeah I did yeah. and the always this was one of the songs we would, oh, we would have yeah, to sing one sure. of these something where like everybody can be out of key and it'll still sound fine mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But, but that's that's what the context of this is yeah and like and also too i wanted to talk a little bit when we get to it too this idea of a charity single kind of also spawned off the idea of these charity concerts too yes. and that kind of spread into a lot of different uh areas um but the Brits are really good at this. They are. They are. They I think really they're, like pioneered. They're good it. at getting people to show up to yeah. see music and pay for music. Yeah. Whereas America is not. Yeah. And and I think another thing thing I found bizarre, a couple of these songs, three of these songs we'll talk about, are in the list of the top best fifteen yes. selling songs of all time. That's right. And I looked at that and like. A little asterisk, not accounting for digital sales. Mm-hmm. Like, you motherfuckers, can we just not put this together if you have the actual numbers? Why are you making me do it? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did I did sort of do it because I, I think Christmas and charity 
comprises a fifth of the top 15 songs. And I say top 15 because they're the ones that sold over 15 million copies. Okay. There are 15 okay. singles okay. in history that have ever sold uh, over 15 million copies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is these will be one of them. You would It's bizarre. You want to hear what the best-selling singles are all time? We talked about this before during the Christmas show. Mm-hmm. What's the best-selling single of all time? White Christmas. It is White Christmas. Wow. Bing, one of, Bing Crosby. One of two Bing Crosby Christmas songs. Because, yeah, like something beats it one year, and mm-hmm. then next year, guess what happens? Christmas rolls around. War in Rwanda does not. Yeah. So mm-hmm. people okay. buy it again. Uh, and again, so no, it'll never, more than likely, Bing Crosby will never be toppled. Do you know what the number two best yes. song is? It's, well, we're talking about it. Yeah. But I, but looking through it, there was there was one song I'd never heard of, mm-hmm. and I couldn't believe that. One of the top-telling songs of all time I've never heard in my life, and I hadn't. What is it? Uh, it is Bacara's Yes, Sir, I Can Boogie. Mm-hmm. Nope. <laughs> I'm, I'm not familiar <laughs> with that one. And another, another one was um, Mungo Jerry's In the Summertime. Yeah, that's that's one you've heard. Third best-selling single of all time. But have you heard of? I, do you I know which one it is. Sam, do you know what's when I say that? Do you know what it is? No, absolutely. It's like not. I'd it's never like, encountered those words in my life, and so I looked. It, it sounds up. made up. Yeah, it's like the ones like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna try to sing it. <laughs> in the summertime, when the weather is high, you can stretch right up and touch the sky. Jesus, I feel like so this been in a bunch of commercials. It's like a well, it's like a yeah. living Popeyes commercial. That's but, what I'm thinking of. <laughs> but, yes, yes. No, I've obviously yeah. heard this like a million times. Right, but, but I would have you no would, idea who would it was this by. have struck you? Oh, this is the third best selling song of all time That's by crazy. Mungo Jerry. By Mungo Jerry, a band I've never heard of. Because the rest of it, you like all understand, like Rock Around the Clock, Whitney Houston, uh, uh, Mariah Carey's Christmas song. Of course, yeah, those are the best selling songs of all time. Uh, but right above the one I can't wait to talk about. The Ink Spots. The mm-hmm. Ink Spots, uh, If I Didn't Care. If I Didn't Care. If you've seen Shawshank Redemption or played a Fallout game okay. or a Bioshock game, you would know the Ink Spots are. Mm-hmm. From 1939. Two of oh those. My well, all of those, actually. It's about I to go public domain. You're yeah. the, the song from Greece, you're the one that I want. Of course, uh-huh. it's there. But we got three contenders in here when it comes to charity songs. Mm-hmm. So before we get a break, I wanted to give a shout out to one real quick because I'll be completely honest. It's the, one of the few songs on this list I find listenable. Oh. Yeah, and that'd be That's What Friends Are For. Oh, mm. no. What? I do, this is one of the ones I... I love any Stevie I Wonder skip. song with harmonica in it. I mean, yeah. Fucking love that shit. Uh, but that was done in 1986. As a response to some of the stuff we'll be talking about, uh, Dionne Warwick put it together with, with her friends Gladys Knight, Elton John, and Stevie Wonder, in a song written by Burt Bacharach. Uh, it's, it was like, it became the highest selling... Uh, it became the best selling song of 1986. 1986 is key because it's right at it's kind of the end of this big ensemble charity song thing Mm -hmm. and we'll close out this segment with that but stay right there because this is not the first and we'll tell you what that was right when we get back What's up, Blazer Timers? We haven't talked about Vinyl Me Please for a while, but this is the perfect time. Because on this week's episode of Blazer Time, we're talking about music. Bad music, mostly, in the form of charity songs. But if you like good music, then you should know about Vinyl Me Please 
the best damn record of the month club. And you can save yourself 10 bucks or more right now in your first three months of amazing vinyl by going to joinvmp.com. We haven't talked about Vinyl Me Please in a while, but it's really great for folks like me getting back into collecting records. Not only is each record press exclusive to VMP, they come with supplemental goodies like bonus tracks, collectible prints, exclusive art, booklets, or even cocktail pairings. If that weren't enough, hey, VMP should start calling themselves Records of the Month Club because now they have multiple records to choose from every month. No, you don't have to buy multiple records. They have three new categories, Essential, Classic, and Hip Hop. This month's Essential is Van Morrison's Veden Fleece. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right. Classic is Buddy Guy's Left My Blues in San Francisco. And for Hip Hop, you got T.I.'s King. But you should know you're never on the hook for the exact album of the month. You don't have to join with this month's record. You can join with any previous month's record that's still in stock. And that includes MF Doom, Queen, TV on the Radio, Muddy Waters, and so much more. And with their swap program, you can swap out any month's album with anything BMP has available in their back catalog if you so desire. So why not upgrade your music collection with Vinyl Me Please? And to save yourself $10 or more, go to joinvmp.com slash lasertime. Is the world of today getting you down? Well, then why not check in on some of the good stuff that happened this week in movies, TV, games, and more 30, 20, and 10 years ago this very week with our show, 30, 20, 10. Here's a clip from 1999. Ow. How dare someone accuse me of making a typo on Facebook when I wrote that? Superb owl yeah. is how I love saying it. It's just the a thing. I'm not sure. You can enjoy the Super Bowl all you want. Let me enjoy saying the Superb owl. Yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers defeat the Arizona Cardinals. And... That's good. Uh, their halftime show, who is there? Bruce Springsteen. And I pulled a moment that this is purely visual, mm-hmm. but I still had to pull it because it's burned into my memory. I think about it probably twice a month. And so just okay. <laughs> play it real quick and then you can describe what it is. <laughs> Holy shit. Holy shit. Okay. Bruce Springsteen does a relatively successful deep knee rock slide across the stage, but can't control his speed, and so his dick takes out the cameraman. Uh, It is crotch first. Crotch first. I want to see that in 3D. It is. He has the goofiest dad grin on his face. He's so happy. And he basically just sexually assaulted a union cameraman. Yeah. He's so happy. He dick slapped America. Jump into the past with 302010 every Thursday on lasertimepodcast.com or iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Five, four, three, two, one. My friend came to me, sadness in his eye, told me that he wanted help for his country. Back in with Bangladesh. 
Yeah. Bangladesh by George Harrison. Oh, the best Beatle. That's what the Friends was for. Mm-hmm. We didn't say it was for AIDS research. It was charities. for AIDS research. And from my research, it looks like they raised about $3 million. Which for is it, amazing. Which is pretty good. But pathetic when we talk about yeah. some of these other songs. Yeah. But uh, hats off to George Harrison. He did this first. He did this first. My and favorite Beatle. He, it's very easy for him to become your favorite Beatle the more you look into yeah, him. Yeah, because he's the best. He's like the least shitty one. <laughs> and I feel like he put out the only like uh, song that I remember from the 80s that That's got true. my mind set on you. Oh, yeah. Somebody bought me the so much. Yeah, same Somebody here. bought me the Guardians of the Galaxy 2 vinyl soundtrack for Christmas, and My Sweet Lord is on there. Oh, this is so, so good. good. Uh, and he didn't, he didn't do a ton of solo stuff compared to like Paul McCartney. But he, I think he was the first Beatle to do solo was. stuff. I think he was. And, he, and that's kind of where this came from, During actually. this period, they thought he was going to be the most successful solo Beatle because yeah. he came out with a triple album. Mm-hmm. A triple album. On that album was the song Bangladesh, which was written... That's what I like about it. It's not very political. Mm-hmm. The lyrics, it's more earnest. It even starts out like, my friend told me about some shit going on. And I'm going to sing about it. was Robbie, Robbie Shankar, Shankar, yeah. Robbie Shankar. That's he was like hanging out with George Harrison, like staying with him at one point Mm -hmm. and he was like dude I gotta tell you about this shit that's going down and then George Harrison was like oh well I'm not gonna do an accent it's okay (laughs) I will I'll do my universal Beatle accent because like he's hearing like what he said about all this stuff he had this massive triple album he's like well what are you gonna do now well, I have to start repaying me debts for the people who helped me make this album. <laughs> right. So he started appearing in other people's songs, producing shit for the people who helped them, and big time for Robbie Shankar helping his, uh, what is it, East Pakistan at the time? Mm-hmm. They were, yeah. They'd just been hit by a, like a cyclone, and they had a, a civil war happening at the same time. So mm-hmm. famine and genocide occurring simultaneously. Yeah, well, I think Bangladesh was the other Pakistan, other it part was. of Pakistan, yeah. It was. And uh, called, I think, was it called East Pakistan? I got no idea. I don't know. I just know. Pakistan was a bifurcated country and Bangladesh, you know, is what came of the other part of Pakistan. And they had the... um, Because the United States at the time was supporting the other side. And guess what? That meant the West didn't like to write about very real Mm -hmm. genocidal situations that were occurring across the globe and kind of like in a much smaller world with no social media or internet. It's a big deal that George Harrison devoted like this much time and real Mm -hmm. estate to this idea. And he went on to create two concerts the next year. And release a live album and a movie a concert for Bangladesh. It's kind of, it's and so it's considered the first ever charity single because mm-hmm. right. I think the album was already out and they released uh, either the album version or the live version, which is fucking great. It's oh, like yeah. it's like it's, it's also a great song. It is the best song that we'll talk about, mm-hmm. Sarah. Uh, it's <laughs> I think it's probably the best song that we will talk about. It's not my favorite song that we're going to talk about though. Well, and then I, I which one do you I, want? Well, I, I have a structure. Okay. So why don't we talk about the one that I know you love very, very much. So this this you have to give some credit to because Bangladesh is 1970. Songs for Bangladesh, Bangladesh the song, mm-hmm. concert for Bangladesh, that's all 1971. Mm-hmm. This kicked off again because of Africa or Ethiopia, if I want to be more specific. Yeah. Ethio- Do you know any more about the famine of Ethiopia? Because I... I, I uh, no, like something like half a million people starved to death. Yep. And this mm-hmm. was uh, mm-hmm. circa 85, I believe. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, yeah, that's when from li- maybe that's when Live Aid was, but it was it, back in the It's 80s. from 83 yeah. to 85. So okay. I only remember when I was a little kid, like I was always told about how important, like the importance of Africa, but they didn't, they, they're your little mm-hmm. kids so not giving you like the hard numbers on what's 
the death toll that's actually occurring. Right. Yeah. But you're seeing a bunch of spreading awareness for Africa, which even I wish I could go back in time and like, you were not specific enough for my little kid brain. Also that. By hiding yeah. what was really going on for me. Awareness right. for Africa, it's the seventh it's continent. It's right there. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't know what you mean. What do you need from yeah. me? Make <laughs> you aware of it without making you actually be aware of anything. Of what's happening. Right. You know. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but I think Bob Geldof, as the story goes, Boomtown Rats, Bob Geldof and Midgerge. Did I say it right? Mm-hmm. Midger. Midger. Uh, we're aware of it. Like, like there were a bunch of BBC reports that showed all this shit happening in, um, in Ethiopia and Africa in general. So they created Band Aid. Yeah, and they <laughs> apparently they first called Sting, <laughs> and then Sting called Simon Lebon, and then. <laughs> They from like, Duran Duran. Right, from Duran Duran. Mm-hmm. And then they ran into someone else, like, outside of an antique shop. And they were like, hey, do you want to do this? Like, maybe Phil Collins or someone. Mm-hmm. And it was like, hey, do you want to do this too? And then it just spread from there, apparently. It fucking spiraled, apparently. Yeah. And, like, all this shit, when you read about it, it came together in, like, a week. Mm-hmm. You think choreographing, like, dozens of singers in one location. And a lot of these, like, the, the music videos you see are almost exclusively, like, that's the recording session. Mm-hmm. That was the one time they were available to do this. So oh, yeah. You are you watching. These it's, are the it's, biggest it's stars live. in the world. Like, right. how yeah. could you get them all on one day together? And I think with this one, too, like, even Boy George, like, <laughs> almost missed it. Like, he had to take the Concord, like, woke up late. Mm-hmm. They called him, and he was in New York, and they were like, where are you? You have to be here for recording. <laughs> Fell back asleep, <laughs> woke up again, and had to take the Concord and was like the last person to get there, basically. Oh, we should probably let you hear a little bit of the song. Yeah. Um, it's so fucking serious. You know, <laughs> it is. And, you know, like I said, we listen to this every year. You I listen wear, to this every year. This well, is my I favorite Christmas my song with George ones. Michael on it. Yeah. <laughs> I force my loved ones to. I am aware of how cringy the lyrics are and how it, the the criticism over the years has been. Boy George coming in. Yeah. Into the chorus, man. Yeah. Ooh, Phil Collins. Phil man. Collins on drums. George Michael on hair. R.I.P. Rest in power. But yeah, this song is pretty excellent. And in terms of song, Christmas songs created in my lifetime, I'd say this is up there in the top ten. For I sure. I 100% agree. For sure. I mean, Who is that? Uh, that's Duran that's Duran. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have ever been involved in any sort of singing group like choir or anything like that. but no. Or had the displeasure of in a more intimate setting where... A person who's very serious about singing sings a song in front of you oh my and God. makes yes. the singing face. Yes. Oh, God. And yes. There's some really yes. awkward karaoke joints. Yes. Yeah. It's very uncomfortable. And there are a lot of singing faces in this oh, video. Oh, yes. Very like, serious It's about, ones. yeah, five minutes of singing and that's, faces. That's why I was, I was sort of hesitant to do this episode because <laughs> what I think is super funny and cheesy about it is all in the video. Right. Yeah. When, you, when you take out the video portion of it, like, this is just a very maudlin song (laughs) yes that is true for the two big ones that we're going to talk about especially that's why I always make us watch the music video because it is it'll hit you with the feels it will hit you with the feels the human beings and musical synchronicity will always kind of do something for me and I love watching seeing all these uh musicians and singers that I've kind of only known as middle aged seeing them at their (laughs) youngest and most 
cokiest probably. Sure. <laughs> and yeah, at the expense of restating it, they're all there together, which is so unusual. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's huge. You I might in this see case, that like in the crowd at the Oscars or something mm-hmm. like that, but I mean... I think in this case, almost everyone is there together. And that means right. uh, members of U2, Cool and the Gang, Bananarama, anyone? <laughs> yeah. Ask your parents. Spando Ballet, but George Michael... Boy George, all the Georges, um, people from the Sting, from the police, uh, and there's a ton, and Duran Duran, Duran Duran, Duran, and there's a ton yeah. of people just hanging around, like the basis are this, they're on backing vocals, that's mm-hmm. where the chorus is coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all pretty insane, and like I think the people who, I think Bob Geldof said it, he, it's a secret, he's like, there were three people who are assholes, and said, didn't say it can't make it, just said no. Yes. <laughs> said no, yeah. and uh, he won't, He to this day, he won't name them. Or he, oh, wow. he won't okay. name the but Paul McCartney and uh, David Bowie couldn't make it, but mm-hmm. tried to contribute in other ways. And uh, this thing was an outlandish success because, like, yeah, there there hadn't been. I, I can't. I, in doing the research, I didn't see any anything that came close to this. Yeah. And I think I think this it has more to do with how fast the compassion swept the UK because mm-hmm. these are almost all. UK people. It's, yeah. There are no Americans. I mean, they don't have the to... gang is involved because they just happen to be <laughs> like I read like they're on the same record label as someone else who okay. was being asked to be on it and they just kind of happen to be the same event. So they're like, we'll do it too. And they're like, okay. <laughs> Sorry, what were you going to say? I was say the British don't have to drive as far to go to like a big concert <laughs> I mean, and stuff true. like that. That's good Let's point. be fair. But this, this went fair. on, the single went on to become the fastest selling album in UK history mm-hmm. and it sold 1 million copies in its first week. 1 million copies and I'm just going to ask you, think of everything you've ever done in iTunes happening physically in real life with a thing that doesn't fit in your pocket. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. imagine a million stacks of albums moving in a week. Like there are not enough trucks in the universe in my opinion. That's that's only in like the UK. And it was released on like December like 4th, it was, 1985. It was, it was, so it, all, like, it came together super fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then before, by December 31st, it sold 3 million copies. Jesus. Like like the last week of Christmas, it sold the most because people so were like, let's crazy. get it in there. Let's make sure we get this before it yeah. becomes the next year. But it's, I mean, it's 85, like the, the Christmas of 85. You couldn't press them fast enough. No, 84, sorry. Oh, sorry. Christmas yeah, of 84. 84. And uh, that also led to Live Aid, mm-hmm. which is one of the biggest... Concerts, I I can't even imagine that. I don't even know how to describe it to you. It's so fucking big. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And it's yeah. and I and what I don't hear about it, and I I didn't. I meant to like relook into. I don't hear a lot of people complaining about the prices because I remember whenever I heard about a big concert like this, including the Fire Festival. But like, remember Woodstock '94, the completely yeah. for yeah. profit, horribly nostalgic weirdo music event in New York. Yes, like, I do. The prices for that, like the prices are insane. Like, yeah, yeah, you can't really recapture whatever. Woodstock was going for it, but I don't think that was the case with Live Aid because a ton of people showed up on two continents. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like before my time, but like Live Aid was so big. I would have just been just a kid, uh, and I don't really recall how it was like aired internationally, but it was just being a kid. I thought it was like a thing they did every year because it would get replayed so much. Mm -hmm. It was such a big deal that I thought Live Aid was like an annual event. Yeah. It wasn't until like years later I went back and like, oh, that happened like. Once and, and for all, real. I think yeah. all the, it became a live album, and they sold a shitload of that, all to benefit this same African chari- African charity, mostly Ethiopian, but going throughout Africa where mm-hmm. it was needed. And uh, the Live Aid in general, it was they they had two concerts that went not t- entirely simultaneously, but mm-hmm. pretty much simultaneously at Wembley Stadium in uh, UK and JFK Stadium in, in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And among those acts, holy shit, there's like too many to fucking name. Ario Speedwagon, yeah. Uh, Run DMC, Black Sabbath, 
Beach Boys, Pretender, Santana, Madonna, Tom Petty, The Cars, Neil Young, Eric Clapton, Led Zeppelin reunited, oh, uh, yeah. Queen, Duran Duran, Crosby, Stills, and Natch, Hollow Notes, Mick Jagger playing with a bunch of other people, and uh, The Who, David Bowie, Dire Straits, U2, all happening on two separate continents. Oof. And like, so it, it, it aired Elvis Costa. I could go on forever. Spandau Ballet. Need, need I mention them again? I love I saying mean, Spandau Ballet. Yeah. Uh, but it, it happened, it was simulcast on the BBC. Mm-hmm. I think it, they aired it the whole day. And then ABC devoted like a three hour block to it. But MTV aired the whole fucking thing. Mm. Right. So you could watch this whole concert. And I think as of like uh, 2005, like the BBC in general voted Queen's performance during Live Aid the best live performance in rock history. Yeah. And yeah, I, I can believe it. Freddie Mercury was dead not soon after that. So it's kind right. of the last time they got to do oh, that. Oh, well, when we went to see mm. Bohemian Rhapsody this this year, um, just a couple of weeks ago, like that's kind of how the movie ends. Mm-hmm. And um, they actually use, I think I heard that they use Freddie Mercury's vocals for that, like, because Rami Malek mm-hmm. can't like, you know, nobody can do what he talks did. talks like this couldn't get <laughs> yeah. Mercury's Well, he didn't have all those extra teeth in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, the recreation is really good. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think I called you after the movie and I like couldn't yeah. talk. <laughs> I was like still crying. But um, but yeah, I mean, the did you read anything about like kind of the ratings that they got for this? Uh, it was said that may, like because it was simulcast to two different continents, it might have been watched, been watched simultaneously. Listen up, Twitch streamers. Mm-hmm. By up to maybe two billion people. Two billion wow. people. Two billion people. Take that 40, Super Bowl. Forty <laughs> percent of the world's yeah. population yeah. at that point. Did you hear who announced that? Mm-mm. Billy Connolly, <laughs> as oh, he was wow. as he was presenting a band on stage, and it's like, do you have any facts to back you up, Billy? And to which Billy's like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so maybe that's not a. Well, I'm sure somebody told him that backstage, yeah. so it means somebody got wind of it, and it was something it's a approaching math that. It's a. <laughs> It's a math problem, and it doesn't really matter because, yeah. like, it's something we had to look into uh, because I'm, we're too young to really remember it happening. But, mm-hmm. like, uh, it's something people talked about for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like, whenever there was any big concert venue, they compared it to Live Aid. And that yeah. all came out of Do They Know It's Christmas by Band-Aid. If we didn't say that, that's the name right. of the band right. that so- features people from Duran Duran, U2, The Police, uh, Spananarama mm-hmm. and let's not forget Spando Ballet yeah I was about mm-hmm. to mention that if you didn't and so I can't remember if we said the single itself do they know it's Christmas raised about eight million dollars eight million dollars doesn't seem like a lot well, but... only because you probably read the stat for the, how much the next thing um, yeah <laughs> yeah first. well I mean because so... I did and then like everyone else I'm like this is nothing a drop in the bucket yeah <laughs> tiny farthing compared <laughs> um, but real quick though so do they know it's Christmas? It was one year later they released another single called One Year On, mm-hmm. which I grabbed a little clip of because it's really interesting. It's the the single itself is basically just Bob Geldof and Midge Er like talking and thanking everyone for it. And then the middle is saying everything that they did with the money that they raised, what it all went to. So if you just play like a little bit of it, we don't need to listen to the whole thing. Band-Aid fleet of nine ships has so far carried over 100,000 tons of aid to Africa, much of it for other agencies. 
73 relief agencies have shipped over 70,000 tons of aid on your ships. That sounds like the fucking yeah. Baz Luhrmann sunscreen song to it me. It does. Yeah. Play, rock that shit at your next house party. Right. Uh, and that's that's the weird thing. Is reading about Bangladesh, they had like it has weaker numbers compared to these charity mm-hmm. singles because uh, it's Christmas every year, whereas Bangladesh doesn't go through civil war and famine every year. So that right. like the single became like less necessary to rebuy right. and had no event to celebrate it. Just saying, that's pretty. It's, it's pretty dope. Mm-hmm. Hats off to George Harrison, mm-hmm. who most people have never heard of and would never praise. Just so odd to me, but I guess I'm just old. I'm Getting joking, old. of course. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's been a billion words written about George Harrison. Um, and they've done Band-Aid over again a couple times. It's ridiculous because yeah. it gets more British and uh-huh. smaller every single time. They've done it three times. Yeah. And I, they, they're all like, this is so dumb, it's not even fun to play. <laughs> I'd play a clip of. Yeah. And uh, well, I, I had meant to close on Live Aid. Did you, did you see who closed Live Aid at the end? The summer of 85. Mm. Uh, because this is how fast this shit worked. Mm-hmm. Live Aid, at the end of Live Aid, the closing band in America, because America has a closing set. Oh, wait, I should have given a hats off to Phil Collins, mm. the MVP of right. Live Aid. This is, I love, <laughs> love this story. Phil Collins would want to do, do everything he could, so he played like his hits in the air tonight. And he played, uh, and he, he served as background vocals for Sting mm-hmm. during Every Breath You Take and in Wembley Stadium. Then he got in a helicopter, flew to Heathrow Airport, Got on the Concorde, <laughs> flew over to flew over to Philadelphia, got another helicopter, and played both shows. And he played another set as Phil Collins. And then he's like, "What the fuck? You need? I'll back you up on drums, Eric Clapton." So he played. <laughs> Phil Collins played on two continents the same day, four different times. That's awesome. He also <laughs> played the drums for the Led Zeppelin reunion. Part oh, he did. Two. Yes. <laughs> oh, wait, that's the one guy who died. It was dead. Yeah, at that John point. Bonham. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, died, and so he played. Drums for the Led Zeppelin disastrously, apparently. Oh, did he? They were like, he did a terrible job. And we look back and he's just grinning like an idiot, banging away. (laughs) (laughs) He did not do a good job. I don't know. And and there was, I meant to read more about this because, like, I'm looking at Songs for Bangladesh. Who played that concert? Oh, Clapton's there. Neat. George knows some other guys, doesn't he? That could (laughs) help raise awareness or. There's not three other people that George could call. And, And I think Ringo may have helped out, but, like, to me, that said. That is how acrimonious yeah, this split up is. Bad. That even when he's asking for help for a na- like a worldwide global problem, he wouldn't call Paul McCartney <laughs> and John Lennon. Anyway, uh, but the end of Live Aid, it's closed out with "We Are the World" mm-hmm. because most of the people who sang that song were there. So here's the quick timeline: October, like late October, there's an announcement. They like Bob Geldof learns about the Ethiopian crisis, writes a song. It's recorded in one month and released on December 4th in 1984. Uh, Harry Belafonte is like, man, what a good idea. I should call, start calling my, call my friends like Stevie Wonder and Lionel Richie who get in touch with Quincy Jones, who gets in touch with Michael Jackson. So in January, less than a month after, do they know it's Christmas time at all? Mm -hmm. We are the world is being written. And by March, it, the song is out. Yeah. And then after that, things keep moving faster. But We Are the World, it, it can't be denied how popular it was. It, it might be one of the best-selling songs from American artists ever. Yeah. And it's it was written by Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie, mm-hmm. mainly Michael Jackson. According the to the story, yeah, he just like went in and just like I've, I've never been out. clear on how good Michael Jackson is making music. I'm like, Michael wrote these notes. I'm like, that motherfucker has never played an instrument publicly. I think he has people he points at to write melodies, and they do. Yeah, I think he, and he has yeah. some. He has notes, and he tells them like, "No, make it more like this." I'm make sure it sound he does like that. This, yeah. I, I'm sure he's instrumental in the process that 
doesn't involve instruments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But Lionel Richie... He is the instrument. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lionel Richie can do all that shit. Mm-hmm. So he's the one writing the melodies and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, oh, we will let you hear the song in a second. Let's give yeah. you a quick little tease of what it's going to sound like, though. We are the <laughs> really, I love it so much. I, I so don't want to hear this song, but it's like it has a fascinating history that we simply must tell you about. Yeah. Um, Bruce Springsteen must have hemorrhoids or something. I feel like you can't <laughs> sing like that and not have hemorrhoids. It does, especially like, if you make that Bruce Springsteen face, which I can't do over mm-hmm. audio. I'm there, not going to do it. I'm not going to punish you with it either. There's a lot. There's a lot of Bruce Springsteen performances where it looks like he's stuck in mud up to his shoulders and he's crying for help. That's what <laughs> uh, in sound in, in the visuals. Um, but yes, this is one of 14 singles to have sold over 15 million copies, mm-hmm. uh, 20 million copies. Looking at the digital, uh, the digital charts, only like Bruno Mars and Ed Sheeran is the number one selling digital artist of all time mm, as of this recording. That tracks. It's pretty ridiculous. Only a few down, official downloads, and I'm sure they're not counting copies and piracies, mm-hmm. has, have ever, ever outsold We Are The World. It's it's pretty insane. I mean, mm-hmm. so, and it was it was... To benefit USA, United Support of Artists for Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. The band is USA for Africa. Yeah, USA for Africa. The band made of 63 people. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Let's get the whole gang back together, guys, and record a new one. The song was written in a week. They had a tra- temp track nailed by the end of January. The video was shot. Uh, January 22nd, they finish the song. Mm-hmm. They record it with temporary vocals from Jackson and Richie. They send it out, and this is... Again, it's all really fascinating in a pre-internet world. They send out cassettes and they have to like num- like do not let this get out. No one is heard no one is supposed to hear this version of the song. You need to learn these lyrics of which there are like 7. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so you can come and record this next Saturday, which will then mix and turn around in less than a month. So that's to me this is all very impressive. Uh the song did officially release in March 7th of 1985, just a- about 3 months in cha- like almost 3 months of the day. Mm-hmm. We uh do they know it's Christmas? Is it, do they know it's Christmas or do they know it's Christmas time? It's Do They Know It's Christmas. Do They Know It's Christmas was released. It became the best-selling single of 1985. It shot to number one. It's a, It rose to number number one the fastest, beating the previous record holder, The Beatles' Let It Be, wow. uh, 30 years beforehand. It not only became the best-selling single of the entire 1980s, uh, it became the fastest-selling a record in American history, and the history wow. of this country. We are the world. And it raised, for money... A hundred and forty-four million dollars. Suck it, Geldof and Bandy. Yeah. Your eight million. Oh. That's what I say to your eight million. <laughs> hundred and four. It was the it was uh, the number one selling VHS tape because yeah. they had they actually had footage of all these people in the room. And every time I look at it, I'm like this is recorded on separate instances, mm-hmm. and there are two instances of that where all these people are in the studio at the same time, but they're for reshoots when they figure out like we want to put this Bruce part here, but we need Stevie Wonder to back him. Can you come back? Mm-hmm. So like two people came back, but no, this was recorded with everybody in the room at the exact same time. Yeah, until eight, yeah. From like 10 o'clock at night until eight in the morning. And apparently there's some really great behind the scenes footage, um, out there, uh, you know, just showing how all of this is put together. Yeah. The, so. the stories of it, and we haven't even told you who's involved yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, Phil Collins, again, Bono, again, no, Sting is not there because it's mostly right. Americans. Right. It's mainly Americans. It's, it's almost like a nasty American response to Do They Know It's Christmas. Like, yeah, thanks like... for not inviting us. Yeah, it's like the diss track. For a while. <laughs> <laughs> but like they, when, when you read about it and you see the documentaries, they don't show a lot of like animosity or anything. But there are – the song is 
fresh off the grill. Mm -hmm. So there are some arguments over lyrics and you just think to yourself like, so in a room, Diana Ross is arguing with Kenny Loggins, who's arguing with uh, Phil Collins, who's arguing with Lionel Richie, who's arguing with, with Dan, Dan Aykroyd <laughs> <laughs> over the lyrics to the song. While the all, ser- There's a room filled with dozens of platinum selling artists arguing over the lyrics. I know. I don't know how you manage that with people who are like the center of their own universe. Right. Yes. All together. Exactly. The ocean of universes. All of their assistants are in the other room like, yeah. let me help you. Yes. <laughs> I can fight on your behalf. I mean, the amount of people who were not allowed to make eye contact with each other has got to be insane. <laughs> well, the one, the one holdout that they thought they were going to get was mm-hmm. Prince. And mm. in, in reading about that, that like Prince was like, his, I think his agents or someone's like, dude, call, pretend you're sick. If you show up to a performance and it comes out that you didn't come to this, you're going to look like an asshole. And he didn't care because mm-hmm. he, in this case, he was an asshole and mm-hmm. he didn't want to share the spotlight. He thought it was a dumb idea. And most importantly, he thought the song was bad. Well, uh, he's not wrong. He's not wrong in that <laughs> sense, which is too bad because we're totally going to listen to it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's and that's one of the, f- the coolest things I read. Rolling Stone has a second by second breakdown of the song. Mm-hmm. Kind of letting you know who everyone was and where they are in their career. So I learned uh, a ton from that, and I, I think there's no other way to do this than to go through it like as, <laughs> go through "We Are the World" just stop by just shot, face by face, face by so face, excited. singing face by singing face. This was all ju- this me coming up with this idea and making us sit down and record was just <laughs> my master plan to make us watch this again. <laughs> Fucking jerk! <laughs> I hate this song. Lionel Richie. Yep. When we just like his bust from Hello. When the world Harmonization from Stevie Wonder. As one. Pair of great mustaches. <laughs> hey, Paul Simon. Little baby Paul <laughs> Simon. Tiny yeah. Paul Simon. Okay, this <laughs> is great. Because... Rolling Stone had pointed out, like, Paul Simon, like, no, like the this generation of music fans didn't know who he was. Because yeah. he hadn't really done that much. And Graceland comes out in two weeks. Uh, and of <laughs> one of his, I think, his most successful solo work. I love who they made him stand next to. Who is the tallest person ever? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who is that? That and that's what the, the, when Quincy Jones talked about choreographing it, we had to set it up so like we had we didn't have one take, but like you need to be standing in the order of your song. Mm-hmm. So if you're singing the part after this other person, you have to be standing next to them so the camera can get you. We don't have a lot of uh, takes. To right. get this right, right. Uh, so that's that's what's so cool about watching the video. Because yeah. like, the second someone's done, they they pull back from the mic, and the other person. Comes so is in. that Kenny Rogers next to him, or is that his music holder? Okay. Yeah. There we go. Oh, that's some real music face. That is. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Roaster Master Kenny yes. Rogers. Are there still Kenny Rogers Roaster? Is that just a Seinfeld joke? At this point? I feel like it's just a Seinfeld joke at this point. But yeah, he's like standing next to baby Paul Simon, mm-hmm. looking like looking like the abdominal snowman. Yeah. <laughs> he's like in a the white abdominal t- snowman. And oddly enough, you know, Kenny Rogers Adom- Kenny Rogers is only five foot six. But no, <laughs> just kidding. I have no idea. He's probably pretty tall. Sorry I cut you off there. <laughs> He looks like a fucking basketball player next to <laughs> Oh, R.I.P. That's James Ingram, who oh. just died recently. Yeah, I don't know much about him, but like... Uh, Is he a solo act He's a soul singer, yeah. Okay. Uh, but famous for mostly duets, but you'll recognize the next couple of voices. Soon make a change. We are apart. 
Tina Turner looking like a lion with those headphones over that hair. Oh, yeah. I knew mostly from Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome at that point. Hey, Billy Joel. Billy Joel. Billy Joel. Here we go. And I thought the shot, oh, Michael, love. Michael Jackson was in a separate studio, but he's not. He's actually like helping out in most of the shots. Oh, wow. Diana Ross pops in. Mm-hmm. Billy Joel shuffles cards behind her. Again, that's why you need to see the video, because if you heard this song and like, you just assume people like sent in their, their parts and they right. splice mm-hmm. them together. Like, no, they're one after another, man. They're right there. It's true. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dionne Warwick. <laughs> she looks awesome. Oh, really? Right? That is Willie Nelson, isn't it? Oh, yes, yeah. it is. Okay. It's the most square-looking Willie Nelson yeah. you'll ever see. He's got no short braids. hair, and he's got a Republican jacket on. Yeah, yeah he looks like he well, might not have touched any drugs in some years or yeah, something. Yeah, he looks pretty good. Well, right now, Farm Aid is percolating in his mind. Uh, that's that's. Uh, there are two things that I think would be looked upon negatively. I think Bob Dylan got shit for it at mm-hmm. the time, because he when he was doing Live Aid, he's like, eh, yeah. this is really nice, but why don't we do anything <laughs> for our own country? And like... <laughs> You know, because that's kind of the thing—the kind of thing a shitty person says nowadays when you talk about foreign aid. But mm-hmm. that's not what he was. He's like, "Hey, in addition to what we're doing here, why don't right. we do this for people who are hurt over in this country?" And mm-hmm. Willie Nelson said something to the same effect. I think people are like, "Why don't we just sing about this and shut the fuck up?" Mm-hmm. And Willie Nelson went and started Farm Aid, one of the one of the biggest charities for farmers, small small family small, farms. Small yeah, farm. and also uh, is Bob Dylan on this song? Yes. <laughs> ah, fuck! I thought you were going to say no, and I was going to be like, "Fuck Bob Dylan." <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. And by the way, the song—we're not going to listen the whole thing. The song is like eight minutes yeah, long. Yeah, it's like really the video long. is the 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 Vivo official video, uploaded at the timely year of 2010, has 12 million views. Wow! And I thought that was impressive. And then I clicked to a video from any one of these artists, and it's all like in the hundreds of millions. So like, I don't people don't care about this song anymore. Well, I account for one million of those views. <laughs> well, you like the video? I think I people. Like the video. I think the result of something selling this fast and hot means. It's not going to stick around. People are going to get tired of it. It's going to yeah. get oversaturated. And whatever style this is, as we'll we'll show you as we move forward, got played out. But mm-hmm. until then, let's keep going with We Are the World. Really? That's Harry Belafonte. Right? It's Al Jarreau. Oh, is it? Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Who is that? That man needs to see a proctologist, whoever he is. <laughs> There's Kenny Loggins. Oh, he's one of my favorites. That's Kenny Loggins, who I can like never recognize on site. I love him. Because he only, he's only famous for songs from movies, so all his music videos are like, hey, I'm Kenny Loggins. Then yeah. movie footage. Caddyshack I know. Footage. I mean, he's just like, I've heard him so many times and often like... I think it was only till like maybe ten years ago that I knew that was him. This is the doing da- the Danger Zone song has, for Top Gun. Da- that yeah. would come out next year, so he yeah. has not. He's not even famous for that yet. He was Loggins and Messina first, mm-hmm. so okay. he had you know presence beforehand. <laughs> I mean, uh. Bruce, it makes me physically uncomfortable. <laughs> like yeah. I feel like I'm seeing something private. The way he juts his lower jaw out. <laughs> <laughs> God know that is. Oh, oh, that sensitive beauty mark on that man's face. It could only be Steve Perry. Love him. (laughs) Who's that? Okay, so some of this is like, some of this is like, 
air quotes timeless and then right. like just that portion is like no this is the real 80s sound yeah. it's steve perry fresh off his his solo joint after breaking off from journey and also fresh on his solo joint uh daryl hall oh john oates is a singer in the background hall and oates are both there right but so that's that to me the, those i only ever recognize oates <laughs> also i don't mean to Speak about genetics here, but doesn't it seem like Steve Perry could have been on Jersey Shore or something? Yes, <laughs> you know he's got. I'm just that saying look that about because him. he's got he's constantly has bangs and sleeveless shirts. Yeah, okay, maybe that's true. it. <laughs> but no, he kind of looks like Snooky a little bit. Yes. <laughs> I mean, maybe one of our greatest living vocalists of all time. But mm-hmm. yeah, he has a strange. He's got that look about him. He just looks. Yeah, he's got a weird look. <laughs> he looks just like Snooky. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know who this guy is. Yeah. He put on some sunglasses. Dude, it's bright in the studio. Huey Lewis. Huey Lewis. Every time I see him, he reminds me of every one of my friends' dads. I was just about to say that. Every he single looks time. looks like such a dad. He, like, <laughs> just that's what every dad looked like yes. in the 80s. Like, their hair is just a little bit too long, yeah. barely touching their shoulders. Fri- kind of frizzy, like, not doing anything to it. Yeah, well, and just that, that haircut, too. I remember being a kid and being at a uh, friend's house up the street and that uh, George Harrison song. Uh, Got my mind set Yeah, it was playing, like, on MTV, and I was, like, looking at him, and then I looked over at my friend's dad, and I was like, <laughs> can't see that there's there's no discrepancy here it's the same guy <laughs> and I, I i i didn't know city lopper had these kind of pipes just because she oh, doesn't yeah. really belt shit in any oh she's great stuff. yeah she's amazing yeah i love her which uh, is weird because when she talks i hear my ears bleed yeah, yeah. i can't but, handle no that. i love the goonie song is like my so favorite good. song by her i like she bop and any other song about masturbation sure but Tim Carnes. It's like a big group shot. So yeah, that's once again, like, that's I, Harry Belafonte. That's directing in the audience. Dan Aykroyd, yes, is there. The story is is not interesting. He was in L.A. looking for a business manager. Walked into the right office and like, Dan, what are you doing tonight? And just ends up singing background vocals and hearing this. But so do all, like, the Jackson 5 is there That's at, right. with LaToya. Uh, right. Bob Geldof is also there. Sheila E. is representing Prince. Yep. Um, Pointer Sisters, Smokey Robinson, and Bette Midler and Waylon Jennings are there as well. But Bette Midler doesn't have it's any crazy. lines to herself, which yeah. is pretty, pretty nuts. There he is. It's so strange. Everyone's also just kind of doing their own voice caricature. They they are. And that's what I think is so cool about it. It's an unabashed look at these people's vocal styles of right. the era. Yeah, is that Danny Aykroyd in the back? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What year was Ghostbusters? The first 84. One? So like that, so he's he, was right, a, he was officially on his way to being annoying as fuck already at this point. <laughs> yeah. I love Danny Aykroyd. That was his Xena. So they right say they yeah. say four minutes in, they save a spot for the granddaddy of rock and roll. Not you, <laughs> There's one guy who hasn't shown up yet that everybody's trying to emulate. Yeah. Oh, 
Yes, Ray Charles. The Ray Charles. Oh, gosh, damn it. Bruce Springsteen so much. But. That, that's why Oof. I love I love playing this shit because like this song was so famous. Yeah. Yet is now so forgotten. If you told like a pop culture like, like me of like, have you heard this duet moment between Stevie Wonder and Bruce Springsteen? Like, I would be like, bullshit. Yeah. That never fucking happened. Not only it happened, everybody bought it. You heard it a thousand times. Right. But it just it still seems weird. They're like devoting a good 40 seconds to this duet, duet part, too. This is what they called Stevie back in for. That's why he's wearing a different shirt. Oh, like gotcha. A blind man having the time of his life and another man who can't <laughs> shit. Yeah. Apparently, Steve, Stevie Wonder was killing it on stage because everybody's getting a little frustrated. It's like, it's like, look, man, if you don't nail this in the first take, I'm driving you home. Everybody's like, oh, Stevie. <laughs> you, can't, you can't drive. But it, apparently, he did quell like, you know, when tensions got a little hot, Stevie would help out. Like, really oh, nice dude he here. He seems like a... A font of positivity. I can't hear any more of this song. Yeah, it's because a lot. I have it's so repetitive. It's like it's so repetitive, it's which is why they made little song. kids sing it at recitals for right. like ten years. And it's it's just a celebrity showcase, really. Now, if they would dress those little kids up <laughs> as like each of the people singing, that would be amazing, dude. If they in shot it just like this, yes. like tight fades into someone else with a Cindy Lauper wig. Yes. Oh my God, what I do? Yeah, All right. but I mean, if you had to do it at like Catholic school in Nebraska, you'd have right. to use blackface. It'd be a fucking Ooh, train wreck. No. Yeah. <laughs> Now, very be sadly, on the news for a different reason. I had to bring up We Are the World 25. Ooh. We Are the World 25 was uh, uh, a noble experiment of trying to, <sighs> yeah, trying to recapture this glory in the year of our Lord 2010, and it is an abomination. But this is for the Haitian earthquake, mm-hmm. which was kind of just as devastating to Haiti as what was going on in Ethiopia at that time. It was accompanied by a billion YouTube videos, features all your favorite stars from the 2010s. And to me, it's infinitely more cringe-inducing. Mm. And we're not going to go through the whole thing, but I did want to highlight, because the, the first person to come on will just annoy most people if you can recognize his voice or okay. faces for the people in the room. You'll never guess who Jamie Foxx impersonates in this song. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. Uh, Granddaddy Ray Charles. And he's uh, mic'd very poorly, but he gives the introduction. And here we go. Oh, yeah. Be Justin Bieber in the beginning. Must come together as one. Into uh, Jennifer Hudson. And a pussycat doll. Jennifer Nettles. Oh yeah, she's a country singer. I think Sugarland. Into Josh Groban. <laughs> I'm like, like one for five so far on this. I knew every almost everybody from the um, 85 one. Then our oldest member who wasn't invited to the last one. Is that Bennett? Yeah. yeah. 85-year-old Tony Bennett. Uh, he, he opens up for Mary J. Blige. Okay. And they bring back Michael no Jackson. No hateration in this dancery. They, well, Tony Bennett's always been down for anything. Yeah. But they bring back Michael Jackson in Archive, uh, and he does a duet with his sister. Oh, wow. Okay, that's pretty special. And you never guess who they slam into next. I want to see you guys laugh. <laughs> Barbara Streisand. Oh my god, this is so lame. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like it's it's maybe you think these are better musicians. This is infinitely worse than yeah. the original We Are the World. Except for I, and they they are definitely not in the same room with each other no, at no, no, all, no, no, no. which makes it. 
defeats the purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, this is dumb. Like, this and anyone could do this. You can dismiss the cheesiness, too, because it was, like, 1984, 1985. <laughs> it's harder to do <laughs> right. in 2010. It's kind of like, right. all right. And, and you open with Justin Bieber. He's... I cannot believe it's been almost 10 years since he became one of the biggest selling artists in the world. That's shocking. Uh, you'll have plenty of other people on here. Usher, Celine Dion, Miley Cyrus, Enrique Iglesias, uh, Nick Jonas. Couldn't forget him. T-Pain. T-Pain? Wait a minute. Tallahassee Pain? Yeah. Is he auto-tuned? Now, wait no, a second okay. here. Uh, we have a different kind of music that we weren't really acknowledging in 1985. That's true. Called... The rap. Oh, <laughs> oh. so, so, <laughs> so uh, we have to make room for the rappers. So they pretty much have to create a new style okay. and new lyrical set to accommodate people like Will I Am, LL Cool J, oh. Nipsey Hussle, Snoop Dogg, Busta Rhymes, Kid Cudi, and more. This Nipsey Hussle mashup could go either way. I have a feeling I know which way it's going to go. And Kanye. Okay. <laughs> and I'm sorry, LL Cool J is like, uh, volume-wise, is overpowering everybody. Yes. It just sounds like LL Cool J. It just sounds like him. And I feel like I'm just listening to the end credits of Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, I really do. My head is like an earthquake. <laughs> My heart is like a shark's <laughs> We went in opposite directions yeah. with that. Oh, goodness. And I don't think you can top We Are the World for... There's more people in it. It sold more. It raised more for charity. Yeah. No, but there's one more that outsold it. That's right. And can you talk about that one briefly, Sarah? Because I fucking hate this song. Okay. I hate Candle in the Wind. Candle in the Wind, man. Not, hold on. Candle in the Wind, 97. Right. 97. That song specifically is the second highest selling song of all time. And uh, what was it the charity for? I don't even remember. It was for uh, the Princess Diana Foundation, basically, which was just like... So this. Immaculately wealthy woman's <laughs> charity. Yeah, which, you know, did a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, AIDS charities and gave grants to different smaller charities in England mm-hmm. and stuff. So, um, yeah, Candle the Wind was crazy. So it was written by Elton John and Bernie Taupin. It was originally written uh, um, for Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. and Nomergy. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, Elton John rewrote it for Diana, who is one of his best friends. It's very weird. Very princess true. is one of your best friends. Yeah. Well, having Elton John as one of your best friends is also pretty weird. I, I, think. I, I can totally see that for some reason. <laughs> I could hang out with Elton all day. Yeah. Um, can and I borrow your Donald Duck costume? I really like it, Elton. I mean, I remember this when it came out. I bought the single, the cassette single. I remember crying in my bed listening to I, it. I shouldn't, I shouldn't overset because, like, we. I remember we had come back, like we'd all just gotten our licenses and went. We're able to go to the beach by ourselves, and we get back, and like, there is nothing on television but mm-hmm. covering. I don't even know that people know she's dead yet. It just there's been an accident. So I remember mm. the first day we got uh, internet in my house. <laughs> <laughs> we logged on to the prodigy. internet onto American Online, mm-hmm. and the first thing we read online was that Princess Diana had died. So wow. I, that is like we were not very uh, tech advanced household. So we got <laughs> the internet pretty late, relatively. I mean, it was ninety seven. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was the first 
time I logged onto the internet in my home was to find out that Princess Diana had died. Yeah, it's just one of those weird things. Because I don't mean this as any disrespect to like any British listeners. I just have never been interested in the royal family at all. I'm I surprised get they, it. you haven't like, tied them to stakes, set them on fire, and taken back <laughs> yeah. all your money. Like, mm. So when Princess Diana died, I was like... I don't know. Somebody <laughs> that's, had that's, a lot of money. They didn't have a job. But that's died the, in a car accident. the weird like, slash shitty thing yeah. about it. For lack of like a real disaster in England, this mm-hmm. is a global event. Oh, yeah. It is yeah, a, it, was, it was bizarre to me. Well, mm-hmm. she was the people's princess. Mm-hmm. She was a big deal because she was kind of a lay person. I mean, not really because you can't really be a lay person. Well, you used to not be able to be a lay person and marry into the family. Mm. So I think she was some like distant, distant, distant lineage. Oh, so everyone's sort of treating thing. her like fucking reality show, game show contestant. Like, yeah, man, but I mean, for the, the most part, yeah, she was like considered the people's princess and she was like revolutionary in a lot of ways, uh, especially with her charity work and helping out people, you know, helping out charities regarding AIDS, which mm-hmm. was still, you know, a newer thing for a lot of people. She got a lot of headlines because she would actually like hug people who had AIDS and you know That's right. I she was that. like she worked with Mother Teresa a lot she was really instrumental in a lot of um, I can't remember what the official name is but like when you go to a country that had been you know ravaged by war and get rid of the landmines take all the old landmines out that can mm. still injure people hmm. there's a word for that that I can't think of right now but yeah she was like very instrumental in that she was like a great person, objectively, I think, like mm-hmm. most people. And so... When you have her, 45 assistants and yeah, all the money in the world. I mean, yeah, at least she was doing than, something look, with I'm not, it. I'm not criticizing her. Yeah. I wish I could do the shit that she did. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so her funeral and everything was humongous. It was a yeah. big deal. I felt... And nothing. I remember watching it. <laughs> I remember watching Elton John playing this song at her f- memorial. Is, is that where the new song... Because he wrote new lyrics for it. Yeah, he rewrote it mm-hmm. totally for her. Um, and so the song from 20 years ago becomes not only a not only a hit in 1997, mm-hmm. not even Ed Sheeran has it's sold crazy. as many singles and as That is Elton crazy John. to me that it's the second second high, highest. It, it beat Bing Crosby for the first time in right. decades. Right. And of course, two Christmases later, Bing Crosby beat the shit out of uh, Elton John because Princess Diana doesn't die annually. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Thank God for that. Um, and I think there's another case. This song was played so much. I have not really ever heard it since because it's right. it's unlistenable. Yeah, no, I I listened to it a little bit doing my research just because mm-hmm. it had been so long and it was kind of crazy to hear it and like bring back right back to like me as a kid listening to it and you know shedding some tears. Okay, so let's close out with Candle the Wind ninety seven. Oh, can oh, I say real oh, quick sorry. though? As of two thousand twelve, mm-hmm. it had made two thousand twelve is when her foundation kind of disbanded, mm-hmm. and at that point, it had made one hundred thirty eight million dollars. Fuck! So we're approaching we are the world money here. Yeah. Well, it's never going to get higher than that. And we will close out this little segment with uh, Elton John's 1997 remix of Candle in the Wind. And I'll even open with another Elton song because this is not the first time he's done this, that mm-hmm. he's redone an old song, made it a hit, and given all the proceeds to charity. And then when we get back, uh, it's going to be a lightning round of all the garbage that's spun off from the rest of this. <laughs> and it's going to be very, very fun, So, and you won't be bored, so stay right there. And it seems to me you lived your life like a candle in the wind Never fading with the sunset When the rain set in And your footsteps will always fall here Along England's greenest hills Your candles burned out long before Your legend ever will
Hello, everybody. Chris here with a little bit of a laser time update. Whoo, man, we have been having a tough time around here. Technical problems out the ace uh, over the last week or so. The website has been down. Some of our podcast feeds have been screwing up. And Jesus, I spent the last day redoing a video that kept screwing up for some reasons I cannot even comprehend. We've lost a show. We've had to cancel stuff. So, yes, apologies for the delays and thank you for your patience. Seriously. Because of all that weren't enough, uh, I've also had a death in my family this week. Uh, R.I.P. Joan. Uh, so please bear with us. Every show should arrive suffering from only a mild delay. The only thing I might, the only thing we might not be able to swing for the first time in history is an episode of bonus time this week, but I'm still going to try. God damn it. However, the laser time Patreon at patreon.com slash laser time will have numerous goodies out this week to fill that void. Did you like our Conan O'Brien show from last week? Well, you can watch along with Sam, Sarah and myself with a live viewing of late night with Conan O'Brien's 10th anniversary special. I love this thing. And it was really hard to track down and even harder to edit and publish, shakes fist. But it's available now for Patreon supporters of Laser Time right now at the $5 level. Of course, with that small tiding, you'll also receive access to over 100 movie commentaries, over 100 exclusive podcasts, as well as this week, an all-new edition of 302010's Listener Strike Back episode. And this is where you folks come correct on us for things uh, we may be sidelined on 302010 or forgot to mention. Super fun, always love doing it. And for Laser Time patrons, over the $10 level, it's time to put on your executive producer hats and help us pick a topic. We want you to have a say in an upcoming episode of Laser Time, so hop on over to patreon.com slash laser time and help us help you help us. Once again, that's patreon.com slash laser time. Let's get back to the show. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. So, but we broke up. She was not pleased with it. Sent me some really nasty texts afterwards. I didn't talk to her again. Mm -hmm. Got another text. Well, you, know, you and you and I were actually at the cocktail party last weekend. And uh, so here is the uh, here is the excerpt here. She takes me out of nowhere to something like, Hey, I went on a date with a really nice guy this to this evening and I thought, um, you know, I I should have liked him or you know, found him attractive, but I don't. I just think I like guys who are assholes like you. And <laughs> and and so how's how's playing it? video games to full in the morning with your ripped jeans and your and your nineties attitude? <laughs> Fucking Bart Simpson spray paint. <laughs> I like assholes like you. <laughs> Do like monogamy and, and, and truthfulness. Um, so <laughs> uh, um, then she uh, and, and you know said something else to try to be you know put some levity, given the last message that she told me, which was something along the lines of like I hope you never experience joy in your life and you die. <laughs> You'll probably die at the age of fifty. You've only got maybe twelve years left. You're gonna have twelve more years of working the same dead-end job. It, it's mean in a way I, I wouldn't even and, think to be this mean. Oh, it said I was a misogynist and a sexist and an asshole and that I should have yeah, sided she with must, Is she on Reddit? Anyway, keep going. <laughs> You're the biggest pussy I've ever met. This <laughs> now who's the misogynist? Come on. Why the, why the gendered slur? This explains your micro-penis <laughs> Just an oversized clit. <laughs> Good luck with your midlife crisis, your hair loss, and your terrible schmegma. <laughs> you gotta. I have never been texted the word schmegma. Schmegma. I will never contact you again, you geriatric fuck. <laughs> Get bonus time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just five dollars on Patreon.com/slash LaserTime. Laser time.
this, again, Candle in the Wind wasn't the first time Elton John had repackaged one of his old singles and uh, re-released it for charity, but he did it with his duet with George Michael, mm-hmm. his live duet with George like Michael for Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me, which I can never stop laughing at, thinking about getting a blowjob from the sun. <laughs> it, yeah, what it, year was this? <laughs> uh, no idea. I mean, based okay. on that George Michael hair prince... Um, no, that's not Caesar haircut. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say that's probably like 94, 95. Wow, maybe? that far out? Yeah. I was thinking earlier it's, than that because he really? looks like he has the same wardrobe person as Snow. Yeah. <laughs> so. It does look like straight of the informer line. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is where it gets real fun yeah. because <laughs> we are the world's success. Uh, I think. I think genuinely made people want to do a good thing with what tools they had. Mm-hmm. I want to say that before we make fun of these people. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think uh, music critics kind of, music critics and cynics made this trend go away. But I don't really see a problem with, nowadays all musicians only collaborate for themselves or a soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, but wouldn't it be cool if we maybe went back to that? Just like the highest, Taylor, Taylor Swift has made multiple uh, singles, of, like right. exclusively the, the proceeds go exclusively to charity. I don't mean to say it doesn't happen. I think her biggest one was called Ronin. Mm-hmm. And yeah. That's the one. Yeah, but I mean, these um, uh, sort of charity, like mega events, like I can't really think of one that's happened since maybe what, like Live Earth? We don't have odds. an equivalent. Yeah. I mean, they they either remake, do. they remake stuff, and then there was one in the 90s. Uh, the Marvin Gaye cover, what's going on? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, you're, are you just talking about singles, though? Mm-hmm. I just meant like things like Live Aid and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, I mean, they don't really happen anymore. They, I mean, if, you, if you're if you in the like well, LA area, especially, yeah, there's a ton of like things that happen in LA for local charities. I know like in the Bay Area, like Neil Young's kid maybe has like uh, autism or something. He has something like that. Actually. Oh, yeah. I, so I, he, he holds this thing that's like this massive concert with like Pearl Jam. You ever wanted to see Chris Cornell play with Pearl Jam? Well, he's going to do it exclusively for this Neil sure, Young school I, concert. I really meant more like these international super events. Like you're right, you're right. They just don't, I, I, and I'm not really sure why they don't exist anymore, but I do know that uh, when I stop and think about it, there aren't really like huge like diva singers like there were back in those days. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, there's not. I mean, yeah, I mean, we really have just Beyonce and Lady Gaga. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. Where there was like a ton of people like that, even from the rock world, it wouldn't count as a diva before, singer. But you know what I mean. Before, Since you brought it up, hmm. though, the "What's Going On" cover, I I had pulled that because I definitely remember that, and that was actually from 2001. Okay, it was released. Was it for 9/11? No, no, but it was released like a couple of weeks before 9/11 happened. So it was originally all the proceeds were going to Artists <laughs> Against AIDS worldwide. Mm-hmm. And then after, and then like it came out, and then like just a couple weeks later, nine eleven happened, and so they also used some of that money to go to mm. like first responder charities and stuff like that. But the music video it's is awful. so dumb, so pretentious. <laughs> but wait, let me tell you a couple it's, it's, of people. It's all the blindfolded artists, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh god, and they all have like words on the blindfolds, and I think Gwen Stefani. W- like has like poet written on hers. Oh, like oh god. Fuck but me. let me tell you some of the people who are this. So it was produced by Jermaine Dupree and Bono. Uh, Bono has just got his fingers in all the charity pies. He is in almost every one of these, <laughs> yes. and every every sequel to Band Aid, he's in that too. Yep, he's into that man. Um, but it includes Destiny's Child, Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, and Sync, uh, Darren Hayes of Savage Garden, Jennifer Lopez, Ja Rule, Nas, Lil Kim. Sean Combs, Puff Daddy, the Diddles. P. Diddy, 
yeah, other Doodles. other names. Um, Mary J. Blige, Blige, Alicia Keys, Eve, Gwen Stefani, Nelly Furtado, Fred Durst, Aaron Lewis of Stained, Michael Stipe, Wycliffe Jean, and um, Marvin Gaye's daughter, Nona. Mm, something was rotten in that lineup. <laughs> <laughs> Think about what that was. There are a couple things. Yeah. Oh, brother, brother, brother. <laughs> Stain guy. Oh. Well, sure, well. Since I've seen him. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of hard to recognize some of these people with their blindfolds on. I can't. I, and that one guy was definitely not Asian. Why is he wearing that thing on his head? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Because they're labels, man. You can remove them anytime yeah. you want. I can tell you. You can stop being Asian whenever you want. My, it's just a label. My yeah. favorite cover of what's going on is actually when Cuba Gooding Jr. sings it in... Radio? No. The in, Ben Carson story? No. It's Jerry Maguire, my okay. favorite movie. <laughs> Radio? I've never seen that, but that just... If, the that's ben funny, Carson bro. Story. There are fewer things that make... I, this is my secret shame. Is When I'm feeling really down the dumps, I go to Google Image Search and type in Cuba Gooding Jr. radio and it makes me laugh all day. It, uh, when you were guessing, it sounded like you guessed radio colon the Ben Carson story. <laughs> which is By the way, we just talked about that in 30, 2010. I didn't know 10 years ago TNT literally made the Ben Carson story starring Cuba Gooding Jr. Mm-hmm. He, Bullshit. he squints nope, his yes. eyes and talks like yeah. Ben Carson. It's astonishing. 10 that, years ago? 10 years yeah, ago. he's like a world-renowned uh, neuro- neuro- neurosurgeon. neurosurgeon. Pedi- okay. I think pediatric neurosurgeon. He's high like all the time. How is that possible? And his opinions are garbage. <laughs> uh, but also, okay, so here's the lightning round of bad stuff. The first thing uh, I, I thought was funny that came off of this is, so the UK starts this, basically. Starts mm. this trend in 1984 with Do They Know It's Christmas? The US gets a response. Well, guess who feels left out? Canada. Canada. Canada Canada does not feel like they've been included. And so Canadia gets together and creates a band called the Northern Lights. That's a good good name for a a Canadian band. One of these kinds of super groups. And they have a festival called It's Been. And it's the the attendees are so shocking. Shockingly boring. Featuring Gordon Lightfoot. Mm Mm-hmm. Look, you'll re- you'll barely recognize some of the people in the song. This is this is Canadian hero, Canadian musical heroes coming out. Alas, Morissette. Try try and help people. Uh, this is ni- this is 1985. Oh, oh, right. It's uh, Frost Force, <laughs> Frost Force, Moosecock. You were uh, actually close. Oh, okay. Rush. All you had to say was Rush. Yes. Oh, okay. And <laughs> Triumph. Getty Lee is on here. Is Triumph a Canadian? The dog. No, there's oh. a, <laughs> another power trio. It's called Triumph. I think it's Canadian as well. Let's see if you can get any of the participants here. Okay, I probably will. Neil Young. Neil Young, okay. You know this guy. That guy I know. Can we look away? Oh, 
Ryan Adams? Ryan Adams. Oh, I love him. So does the, I terrible taste so does the world because Brian Adams' Everything I Do is in the top 15 That's, best-selling singles. Are, are we going to get Dan Aykroyd again? We are not. But you, uh, if you look in the yeah. background, you they, they don't have a background because they're not all there at the same time. You will see John Candy, Catherine O'Hara, and a bunch of other oh, wow. Canadian funny people who joined, joined in for this. But this oh, happened the very cool. next year, raised a piddly $3 million. <laughs> Aww. Of Canadian money. Well, I love Canada. I hate this. Loonies and Toonies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where I want to go with this. Okay, so wait, no, Sarah had one because I, I I saw this. And I'm like, make a note. I will look this up later, and oh, I didn't. Yeah. Uh, do the in response to Do They Know It's Christmas? It was a parody song called, called Do They Know It's Halloween, mm-hmm. and it was um it was released in 2005. On, and it, the performers uh, performed under the name of the Northern North American Halloween Prevention Initiative. <laughs> it actually reached number four on the Canadian pop charts. Um, but all the proceeds were donated to UNICEF. But here are some of the contributors. Win Butler and Regine Chassain of huh? Arcade Fire. Basically. Oh, what? Yeah. How old is this? 2005. Oh, my God. Um, Beck. <laughs> David Cross. Devendra, Devendra Banhart, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, Feist, um, Sid Butler of Les Savi Fav, uh, Peaches, Jenny what? Lewis, and Blake Sennett from Rilo Kiley, um, Stephen Merritt of The Magnetic Fields, Thurston Moore, mm-hmm. the dude from Sum 41. <laughs> <laughs> and they all wanted to prevent Halloween? And Karen O. <laughs> well, it's kind of a, a joke song, basically, okay. but yeah. It's, it's pretty thinking, good, actually. I kind of love this. I do, too. I have never heard of this. This is wonderful. Yeah. There should I, be more Halloween songs. I actually have a Halloween playlist uh, that for playing in my car and, and around the house and during Halloween, and this is definitely going on there. I we joke from our Monster Parties episode. My Halloween playlist on on Pandora is so disgusting, classically old that every song starts with "Well, I was working." <laughs> it starts with the words "Well, I was." <laughs> um, other like not necessarily parodies. I gotta give my hats off to the the Brits because like out of this came Comic Relief, and was the American version of Comic Relief associated? with I believe uh, the- Comic Relief was the American version. I think it was like called like Red Nose Day or something. Yeah. maybe mm-hmm. in yeah. the United Kingdom. My only context yeah. was The Office for a really long time. To- the original yeah, Office. So mm-hmm. I HBO when I was a kid, and I remember Comic Relief would be on all the time in like the late nineties. I think they do it every two years or something like I don't that. Think they but- do it anymore at all. No, I mean, but back then they did. Um, yeah. And, it, uh, and you get a nice introduction from Andy Kaufman's former writing partner, Babs Muda. <laughs> I'm Babs Muda, and I'm bringing you comic relief. Now, here, here's some actual funny people. Yeah, and it was always <laughs> the same three people, right? Yeah, because no, no. I think it was what, like Robin Williams, Whoopi Goldberg, right. and uh, Billy, Billy Crystal, Crystal. Yeah, before they, they, he like hacked himself up and looks like a vampire oof. or whatever. There yeah. would be, but yeah. there would still be like exclusive live shit you couldn't see anywhere else. And right, like, there's they like were the hosts. Two exclusive yeah. Mr. Show sketches that only aired on Comic Relief. Really? Yeah, hmm. you get that kind of because it showed on HBO every year, yeah. Yeah. which I never had. And but they uh, like the last time they did it, they just simulcast it uncensored on like Comedy Central and MTV, and like please do this every year. And instead, they did it never again. I can't believe <laughs> I can't believe they don't do that anymore. One of the hosts is dead. I mean, they may not. I mean, yeah, but 
it may still be around. I mean, you never know. I mean, if it's still the Red Nose Day thing in the United <clears throat> Kingdom, they may mm-hmm. still do that. I'm not sure. I they just, do. They do yeah. it in the United but Kingdom. But if you're a comedy nerd, like you have been rewarded. Like this happens on an annual basis and is like a city, like a, a fucking nationwide thing they do in the UK. It's mm-hmm. it's wonderful. I, I, I didn't get to dig into it more, but pulp, look up Pulp's uh, bad cover version, which is a parody of these kind of songs, but with modern people from England. Hmm. All appearing in the music video. Oh, cool. It, but uh, I never knew this kind of stuff existed because we didn't have YouTube back then. Because like one of my favorite shows when I first got Comedy Central back in the early '90s was the Young Ones from England. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, I fuck. It's the most punk rock comedic venture I've ever seen because they practically destroyed the set and killed themselves every episode. <laughs> it's weirdly mm-hmm. surreal. It's very hard to watch now because it's in like 140p. The set is deliberately covered in garbage <laughs> and you can barely hear what they're saying and everything is dis- disgusting on purpose. But I love the young ones and did you ever watch the young ones? I mean, I caught it here and there. I so remember Rick, it being on. Rick Mayle, um, who was, uh, Rick Mayle, who created the show, he would always talk about Cliff Richards and I don't know who the fuck Cliff, Cliff Richards is, by the way. I remember looking him up in the early internet because he kept saying it in 1992. Mm-hmm. But for comic relief one year, Cliff Richards, the guy who's a joke on the show, and the actual young ones teamed up to make a song for comic relief that sold almost two million copies. Huh. Uh, it's called Living Doll, and it's awful. Satisfies my soul. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty much pointless without the video. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, Right, uh, but but also I think the the good the good cheer of having one day that's all about charity, like right, that seems funny. I'll give that yeah. a dollar. I'll buy that mm-hmm. stupid song for two dollars. Yeah. Who cares? And uh, in that sense, I had never heard Alice Cooper's "Elected," but I don't know what caused uh, there to be a duet between Mr. Bean and Iron Maiden's Bruce Dickinson for Wait, comic relief. Mr. Bean. This is. In this music video, you will hear Mr. Bean talk more than his entire show. Rowan Atkinson? Rowan Atkinson mm. than his entire movie, like movie career and TV career combined. It, Mr. Bean kind of singing as he's trying to go get elected door to door. I God. don't have any other context for this, but it's really weird. But it's very clearly uh, the singer of Iron Maiden and someone credited Wait, as wh- Smear Campaign. And so this was for Red Nose Day as yeah. well? Okay. Because so that okay. I hope I'm right about that Red Nose thing because if we're going to say it. No, it is. Right. It I, is. Okay, so we looked yeah. into it. Yeah. Vote me. If I'm elected, growing a beard will become a criminal offence. I'm going to make all mothers wear vests. This is the wow. most sur- like uh. you know. I've been doing this show for over 300 episodes. It's very rare that I come across something I've totally never seen and could never imagine. But this was one of them. This is like the thing that you would show me in college. Like, look at this VHS cassette I have. This weird shit. Yeah. Like it's so it's bizarre. So crazy. And that's and yeah. I just wanted to, to to slide into the. This is earnest, and I hate making fun of it. But guess who was offended by not being invited to any of this shit in 1985? I got oh. no guess. Oh my God. Well, there's, there's, well, we just said earlier, like the rappers weren't invited. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know who else wasn't invited? Heavy Metlers. Oh. The genre was never bigger than in like the mid, the mid 80s, and none of them were invited. So they, they unite to create the band Hearing Aid. 
Uh, I thought it was gonna be Hard Rock Aid or something. Like, oh, it, it gets it gets aid. worse from here. Oh, here in uh-huh. Aid, here in Aid uh, is created the song "We're Stars." It was organized by Ronnie D- James Dio and his band, and mm. uh, they understandably felt left out by, especially do, do they know it's Christmas time? Because mm-hmm. like a lot of these metal people, early metal people were from England. Uh, so together mm. with their powers combined, uh, Dio. Ted Nugent, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, Quiet Riot, Dockett, Monley Crew, Dockett, Monley Crew, Twisted Sister, Queensryche, Blue Oyster Cult, and more. Yes, I'm including Wasp and Night Ranger. <laughs> wow. Uh, team up together uh, to benefit. I think all, like for raising $1 million for charity. It, des- it destroyed $2 okay. million dollars worth of hotel rooms. <laughs> <laughs> With the song We Are Stars. And it's, you can weirdly recognize almost every vocalist. You want to talk sweat? You have to see this oh fucking video. Sometimes you're hungry and there's no food to eat, <laughs> and you got no home. <laughs> wow. Ooh, oh my god! It, they all look exactly the same. It is now, Sarah. That's racist. Uh, just because, because they're super waspy meddlers. Yeah, yeah there are meddlers. hair crimes their against hair, humanity. There, their oh. hairstyles are all exactly the same. I save that for last. Because okay. it's excruciating to listen to. Yeah. That would be a Swedish metal aid. Right. <laughs> Which Even was... More now you're just making shit up. On, nope. Yeah. Actually a thing... <laughs> finer point. Organized by Joey Tempest of Europe, which okay. is... The final countdown. The, o- the only musician I've heard of involved in this and like 80 people in the room. We Are the World, the video looks so good because they're recording it live. Mm. I think that's Swedish metal aid's biggest mistake. You have mm. a bunch of people who have varying levels of talent trying to hit these metal notes Live in one take on stage. Oh, wow. And it is a parade of, ooh, that wasn't quite there. Oh, and no. horrible. Especially as they're aging, yeah. Horrible, beautiful hair. Because this is happening within months of, within months of uh, We Are the World. Mm-hmm. Same year, 1985. It, t- it comes out the next year in 86 because what Ronnie James Dio couldn't do, what Quincy Jones did in a, actually sign contracts and get people to, out of like legal agreements in order to release a song from all these <laughs> different... Oh, no, that's sorry. That was different from the other song. Swedish Metal Aid, you've heard of Europe. You've even heard a little Europe if you listen to the theme song. Yeah, I'm acknowledging right here. Uh, but you've never heard of any of these other bands. I encourage you of all the videos to find. This is joyous. Oh, boy. This is absolutely joyous. Swedish Metal Aid from 1985. <laughs> that looks like Swedish Metal Aid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Everybody has like Bach hair. Yeah. <laughs> that is crimes against humanity. All right, take it easy. Jeez.
seen a more androgynous looking group of people. I know. I, when I first saw this, I recently saw this on Facebook, and it's like, did I, did I skip a decade? I don't recognize anybody here, but this is a professional production. That guy looks like Glenn Close. <laughs> Wow, this is <laughs> this is shocking. Yeah, um, this is yeah. Swedish metal aid raised zero dollars, but shoveled <laughs> snow off one hundred driveways. Yeah. <laughs> there are that was the greatest accomplishment. There yeah. are so many people there whose hair costs more than my car, who wow. I cannot name at all. I yeah. have no idea who these people are. I don't recognize are. a single one of these you people. You owe it to yourself to check out Swedish metal aid. Yeah, and you owe it to yourself to. It looks like an. SNL skit. It really, well, that's the thing. SNL used to make sketches skit, like these so they could sketch. do musician parodies yeah. and like they can't do that anymore. They love doing a parade of uh, a montage of oh, caricatures and they yeah. don't they don't we don't have this anymore. Yeah. So SNL hasn't been able to do it since the 90s. You know what they do now instead of that is audition tape. Yes. This, the awful Star Wars audition tapes. Yeah. They do it every, every fucking year and yeah. it's like this impression better be good. Okay, it is, but it's I'm kind of tired of these. Yeah. I'm tired of these. Yes, but that that is it for our show. We have to close out with give them a helping hand. That's they drop the G from helping because they're real metal, uh, <laughs> Swedish metal, Swedish metal. Aid. Nay, uh, maybe give to a charity you like. I like a couple charities. Yeah. I like uh, the Stack Up, which helps uh, veterans with uh, games and stuff to mm-hmm. get them through their boredom oh, or wow. therapy. Done, uh, facilitated by my buddy Steven, but check out the stackup.org mm-hmm. uh, if you'd like to donate to a worthy cause. Uh, for me, it's one I think I've mentioned before in a podcast. It's uh, be the match.org. Uh, you don't, it's informally known as the bone marrow registry in the United States. Uh, you don't have to donate your money. It's good if you do, but more importantly, uh, you should uh, get yourself on the bone marrow registry. All you have to do is just send off. They will send you a free kit to just swab your mouth, and that will put you on the bone, regi- bone marrow registry. You just send it back, and that's all you have to do. Mm-hmm. Goddamn, Sarah Bear. Yeah, I mean, I think one of our favorite perennial places that we like to donate money to is our local NPR and PBS stations. Right. Just because they need a lot of help. They probably are going to need even more help in the future. And yeah, we get a lot of our, uh, a lot of joy from those. Two yeah. So places. like NPR and PBS. Yeah. yeah. And um, perhaps my favorite charity of all goes to the little podcast network that nobody liked. Laser time. <laughs> Patreon.com slash laser time, which supports not just the namesake sake show you're listening to right now, but shows like Video Game Apocalypse, which just celebrated 300 episodes in a really, really fun way. Make sure you check that out in 30, 2010. That celebrates the world of music shit like this pop culture from 30 20 and 10 years ago we are in the nines right now and you should check that show out it's never been more fun we have some new stuff we want to launch your way too and you'll get it first or exclusively at patreon.com slash laser time for the price of just five dollars every week we have an exclusive bonus show last week was a drunken experiment that i didn't see a lot of hatred for but we asked people if it'd be okay to post this thing that happened at two in the morning over here and edited it down and bleeped everything the best I could to protect us legally. And <laughs> I still need to listen to it. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's the worst. I just, I hate everything said in there. Okay. Uh, but I, other people found it entertaining. Just it makes me cringe. I'm usually not that inebriated on my... And <laughs> but there's all that more. And of course, this show is executive produced by uh, good people like Connor Ritter, and many other fine folks at patreon.com slash laser time. I know if you liked our Conan episode next week, we should have something Conan related you can't find anywhere else uh, digitally. So please, come on. What, what more do you need? We're violating copyright on your behalf. <laughs> yeah. 
So let's close out with some. Let's finish off this uh, "Give Them a Helping Hand" song from 1985. Maybe consider donating the Swedish Metal Aid. I mean, like last of all, after you consider sure. everything else. Uh, and thank you guys so much. We will see you next week. <laughs>